Hello everyone and welcome back to the Knockout Podcast episode 60. Um, a couple of weeks off owing to um, exams, new jobs and whisper it quietly, just not a whole lot of good fights. But um, we are we are back after a couple of weeks hiatus um, and we've got, uh, well, still not a lot to talk about in terms of uh, action-packed fights that have happened bar Ponzinibbio Baeza, which we'll get on to. Uh, but we do have um, a pretty um, tasty UFC 263 at the weekend with two title fights and quite a lot of um, other action on the card. Uh, I'm Ben, and as ever, I'm joined by Jack. Jack, how are you How are you doing down in the sunny south? Uh, yeah, uh, doing pretty good. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's getting, it's getting hotter. It feels like, I mean, summer is here. Um, so that's nice. I'm glad to... Glad to be back with some good fights, actually, because yeah, as you said, it has been a has been a few weeks, and um, there's not been a lot of great fights in that time. Um, so no, glad that up and coming, we've got some we've got some fun, some fun stuff. Well, let's hop into it straight away. Um, I guess the place to start would be uh, this. Well, this weekend's fights just gone. Although technically, we didn't review. Uh, the font Garbrandt card, but that is so far in the rearview mirror that it doesn't really warrant talking about. Um, let's just focus on the ones from uh, this week. Um, Jarzinho, well, actually, we won't, we won't start the main event. We'll work our way up there. Santiago Pontenibio, Miguel, was it Miguel? Baeza? It's Miguel. We go with Miguel. An instant uh, fight of the night, fight of the month, maybe even fight of the year contender. Um, just a crazy back and forth. There was certainly questions in my mind about Ponzinibbio after that fight against Lee Jingliang about sort of what state he'd come back into. And, and certainly Baeza isn't, you know, the tip top of the welterweight division, but but certainly um, a guy coming in with a lot of form and, and a lot of um, a lot of hype around him. I mean, we'll 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 get into the fight um, as a whole, but just how impressive was it? For, for you from 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 Pontinibio, you know, had that timeout, got well, such a long time out, then had a, a bad return to action, but has bounced back in in very impressive fashion here. Yeah, I think it's like it is a concern. I think it's probably still true that Ponzinibbio has essentially sat out most of his prime and he's probably now out of it. But when he looked to kind of be peaking in his career, um, which is now like a few years ago, like around the Magnified, which is, I want to say like 2018 or something like that. Um, yeah, Magni was 2018 November. That's crazy. Um, yeah, like so nearly three years ago, basically, um, he looked to kind of be peaking. Um, and then he's just sat out for two and a half years. Um, and they looked to probably be his best years that he's kind of just been on the sidelines for. Um, so that's always disappointing um, that realistically his prime, he never really got it. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, despite coming back and looking, um, I'd say in the Li Jing Liang fight, he looked um, basically just like rusty, like ring rust, basically like he was kind of nervous about counters and, wasn't willing to kind of like pull the trigger and in that got actually ended up getting himself countered because of that. Um, and then also in the first round in this looked a somewhat similar, just 
a little unwilling to kind of commit to his shots um, and commit to kind of pressuring. Um, but then got the first round out of the way, moving on to the fight now, um, <laughs> got the first round out of the way and then was able to kind of like settle in and feel a bit more comfortable, I think, um, for the second and third rounds. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think certainly one thing for me is that that first you mentioned settled in and Baez is certainly um, strong with the leg kicks. Um, but I think the the uh, the archetypal Ponzinibbio jab really came into its own um, in that second and, and third. And I think you could see Baez's rhythm was was quite sort of upset by that jab. He didn't he didn't fire off the leg kicks with um, the same frequency and potency and and sort of struggled to to wrestle back the tempo as as, as Ponzinibbio sort of um, settled into that fight, certainly, as, as you said, in the later rounds. But yeah, a, uh, a really good performance from him and, and just a, a, a classic of a third round. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, as you said, the jab was, like, the key, really, um, which I think that it was mentioned on the broadcast, like, Baeza was having success kicking, kind of like counter-kicking Ponzinibbio's jab in the first round. But second and third rounds, Ponzinibbio faints more with it. And he also doubles up and even, I think, triples up on it sometimes. Um, so in the first round where he couldn't get really get the jab going, he was able to in the second round due to the feints and due to the kind of just really committing to it with doubles. Um, and then, yeah, like in the third round, it really was kind of like just back and forth, um, <laughs> each swinging, each swinging at each other. Um, and something like, yeah, really, really good action. Ponzinibbio started to like... Uh, kicked by Aza's legs as well, I think, in the second and third, which he had fairly good success with when he did that as well, which he's been a fairly good leg kicker for a while. Like in the Magni fight, he really beat up Magni with leg kicks. Um, so I don't know why he didn't really go to that earlier. Um, again, it was a bad first round for him, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, Ponzinibbio had quite a lot of success in the pocket as well, I think, Um kind of countering over the top of Baez's jabs and then following up with left hooks quite consistently, which I thought was nice that he started to add that in um, as the fight got late. So, yeah, I think that, um, well, yeah, basically just a solid third round, I suppose. We'll... Yeah, no, I thought it was a, um, as you said, I think I think you basically covered it all well. He just really sort of settled into it, um, got, his, got his rhythm, that, that jab, everything sort of seemed to stem from that jab um, and a really... Just a, a really impressive um, comeback, especially after how that first round went. You you, you could see him sort of. You know, it, it would have been understandable if he'd have you know slid to a sort of 30, 30, 30 27 defeat from there because yeah, um, you know, that seemed like the way the fight was going. Um, so or even re- getting finished based yeah. on the first round was highly possible. Certainly, yeah. I mean that that uh, that that lead left leg was uh, yeah was really getting beaten up. So a a, a really um, great turnaround from him you know the question marks over um you know how 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 sustainable is fighting like that are going <laughs> to be especially uh if if he's to you know try and mix it with some of the guys up up at the top i mean maybe maybe i think up at the top feels a bit too too much and, and perhaps out of reach but certainly um you know if he's to mix it in and around those those rankings i think there's 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 positive signs, but but also um, there's there's still going to have to be a bit of refinement and and uh, easing off of that of that ring rust. But I mean, if he's going to fight like that, he's not going to struggle to be in 
to be in fun fights, and I'm sure the UFC will be will be booking him in in fights that that can can draw that out of him. Yeah, uh, no, I fully, pretty much fully agree with that. I think that, as I said, I think he's probably set out his prime, which means that I don't think he'll be like getting top five really again, top ten at a push maybe. Um, so yeah, I don't think he'll be in like the title picture, but I think he'll still be a fairly interesting kind of action fighter and like he'll always be in like fairly exciting fights I think going forward I if he can like and he seems to have like shaken off like the ring rust now and like he's got over that so like going forward I think he'll be able to like from the get-go kind of put out his best work um but no something like that's basically I've thought of like maybe a year or two like kind of as these two people's paths i haven't said the names yet but when you when i say them you'll know uh, as these two people's paths probably cross i think that a santiago ponzinibbio vincente luque fight somewhere Ooh. down the road would be absolute fireworks um so yeah as like luque probably is kind of peaking and reaches kind of the limit i feel where he's about he can get to and then he's like kind of on the down slope of his career might and if Ponzinibbio can keep it up for a few more years, they can probably cross paths, say, two, three years down the road. And I think it'll be, we'll be in for a lot of fun then. Honestly, let's just make it now. It didn't make any sense, <laughs> but I want it now. Yeah, yeah it can... rankings-wise, it makes no sense, but it would be fun. That would be great. Well, we can all dream of that. Um, elsewhere on the card, I mean, we'll just talk, we'll just talk about the two um, heavyweight uh, co-main and main. Um, Marching Tabora. Walt Harris marching to Borough, getting it done inside the first round, um, finishing Walt Harris off in very similar fashion to how Alistair Overeem did. Um, he's now on a good um, five five uh, fight win streak, although did get um, outstruck in the first round against Greg Hardy, and no one should forget that. <laughs> um, for Walt Harris, I mean, got finished exactly the same way that he did uh, in the Overeem fight, in a in a fight that against Volkov, uh, where you know there was no takedown threat, he got handedly outstruck on the feet. I don't really know uh, where where his future lies, but certainly a good win for Marcin Tabura and probably catapults him up to well eighth in the rankings as it as it as it seems to say. So he's going to be mixing it up with with some of the guys up at the top of the division. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like a, a typical Walt Harris fight, really, or what's come to be in some ways a typical Walt Harris fight. It is that I think the term glass cannon is very applicable to Walt Harris. Um, he is a he is a kill or be killed kind of guy. Um, and we got the glimpse of that in the Overeem fight. We got the glimpse of that here. And um, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Like he did come out and say like um, the big focus he said kind of going into this was that um, he'd really kind of tried to work on his cardio to try and avoid that. But um, I don't think it's necessarily cardio issues that were getting him in trouble. It's um, I think it's, he does try and kind of once he's got someone hurt, that's all he can think about. And he really kind of overcommits for it and really not going to say no matter how conditioned he is, because it will help, but, even if he gets a lot more conditioned, he's still going to very often end up kind of like completely 
blowing all he's got <laughs> trying to finish the guy in that first round. And then also is of the obvious glaring grappling issues, um, which have kind of made themselves known fairly recently as well. Yeah, it's uh, a worrying uh, trend that that has he's picked himself up. And yeah, the glass cannon description is is certainly apt. I mean, he's still sort of apparently eleventh in the rankings, which is uh, interesting. But um, yeah, not great from him for marching to Bora. Another good win. Uh, obviously, you know he knows where his strength lie. He knows where he's going to win those fights. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how much further I can see him progressing up these uh, up up the heavyweight ladder. But yeah. you know he's he's got himself in a in a in a position where whereby he probably merits you know mixing it with one of the guys in that sort of top half a dozen. Yeah, um, which is. In a way, strange because Tibor. I mean, he's not. He's thirty-five. He's not that old. But really, if you kind of like look at his career, he seems to be kind of peaking. Um, like he seems to be, yeah, like getting to his best work now. So, um, although I suppose the last fight, he, yeah, he did just beat Greg Hardy as and as you said, didn't have a particularly good first round. Um, but then went on to finish him, which is always nice. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Tabora goes from here. I suppose heavyweights do have a kind of like longer shelf life. They do have their peaks later in their careers um, or certainly later in age. Um, so, yeah, I think that he does warrant a kind of like certainly, I mean, he's ranked number eight, so certainly a top 10 guy. Um, and then gets one more win he could be mixing it up with the top five so um yeah um like i don't know like it's he's not he's not a remarkable fight tabora is not a remarkable fighter even by heavyweight standards so i'm not like particularly interested in him um so like i'll, I'll watch him fight but i'm not like oh i can't wait to see what tabora does but um you know it's nice to see a guy kind of improve and on a good street kind of when he's a, getting on a bit indeed um main event time um jarzinho rosenstrike versus augusto sakai uh ending four minutes and 59 seconds into the <laughs> very first round i mean I, I was looking up the striking stats on the on the ufc website uh augusto sakai landing three uh, Jarzino Rosenstruck landing 16. I don't know how many of those 16 came in the last 10 seconds in that <laughs> in that finishing flurry. Uh, safe to say, um, thankfully, the job got done in that first round because there was not enough. There was not a lot of evidence to suggest that um, either of them had. Well, at least Jarzino Rosenstruck had had picked up his activity. Um, there was a lot, of, a lot, a lot of circling. I was surprised. I thought. There might be um, a bit more forward pressure from Sakai, but I guess maybe fearful um, of that Josinho restaurant power that did ultimately um, finish him off. But a very um, timid first round, which you sort of come to associate with Rosenstroik, but he did get the job done um, in sort of typical biggie boy style. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was kind of the first round was. I think that there, a little bit... Like he picked it up a little bit. I think that more to do more than anything due to who he was facing, though. Um, 
compared to someone like Garn, who's um, able to pressure him and kind of keep him at length. Um, Tabora really wasn't able to get anything going. So kind of Rosenstreich could just kind of take the quick kicks at his legs um, and then kind of like try to set up the right hand. Um, but yeah, I think there was a, a little more activity, but mostly due to kind of circumstance more than anything like Rosenstruck changing anything. Um, but yeah, basically Sakai couldn't get anything going at all, was probably fearful of counters coming back the other way. Um, had probably like in the few bursts early on that Rosenstruck has had, I think Sakai probably recognised the speed that Rosenstruck had um, and was fearful of that combined with the power um, really just couldn't get himself in and then kind of luckily the knockout came um, and we didn't have to suffer through um, four more rounds <laughs> although it was it was I think that that's maybe a bit harsh but um, but it was it's okay it was it was all right indeed um, yeah I'd be interested to see what happened I mean I can't really offer much more analysis than that but um, it'll be interesting to see where Rosenstruck goes when he seems just to be sort of like flip-flopping between, you know, facing facing people um, sort of below him in that sort of like six to 12 uh, winning and then trying to crack into the top six and sort of failing to do so. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's next for him. Um, I'm trying to think of people who aren't booked. I mean, the obvious guy that sort of springs to mind feels like Curtis Blade, and I don't really want to see how that fight goes because uh, I feel like it's probably going to be similar to sort of Blade's uh, Volkov. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's I, I I need to see sort of more with Rosenstrike. It's like for a guy who's you know got a clearly a, a big kickboxing background, there there just seems to be a, a complete unwillingness. And and you know it does take two to tango. And Sakai was, as you say, not. Um, perhaps the most willing partner to to initiate stuff but um i think there's there's such an unwillingness from him to at least try and draw out the counters i i'm i'm perfectly fine with him being a counter striker but in turn you've also got to try and draw out those counters and it, I, yeah. i'm not sure he does that well enough or at least as well as he could do true so, um yeah <laughs> but yeah we will we'll see there's there's plenty of um fights in the future for him to try and um, work on that and, and maybe that stuff that he had worked on but didn't really get to bring into action because of Sakai's inactivity um, right well I think that's enough of those sort of mediocre fights although no no disrespect to Baez upon Zinibio. that was a really good cracker. one um, let's have a quick flick over to 263 I mean there's a lot going on there's a lot of names um, before we jump into sort of the I guess maybe the top sort of three, top four. What what's what's one that's that's um, speaking to you on the uh, on the prelims that that might be one to watch out for? Um, so for me, the probably main one on the prelims would be, I mean, the headliner of the prelims would be Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell. Um, Drew Dober bouncing back after the kind of like being consistently smothered and then kind of getting his head squeezed um, in what was a weird triangle joke against Islam Makachev, uh, arm triangle. Um, so yeah, he's kind of recovering from that kind of mental blow 
against facing a smothering wrestler to now come out and face one of the more seasoned kind of strikers of the division, although not necessarily seasoned in MMA, but having a quite substantial kickboxing background. Um, so in a fight that will probably favour Dober more, like Dober more at least compared to the Makachev fight, um, but one that I still don't think he'll quite be able to kind of like put it together enough in order to get the win. Um, but I certainly think will be very exciting um, for as long yeah, as I lasts. think, um, I mean, although Riddell didn't get to the cage um, for his Gillespie fight, uh, I think both of them uh, in training for that will be sick of the thought of fighting <laughs> a guy that's going to be constantly jumping at their, uh, at their knees. Uh, so I, I expect a, sort of truce at the weigh-ins that, that there is there is there is to be no takedowns yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this this certainly promises to be a a really good one uh, you've got everywhere of dowager opening up the prelims which is certainly uh one to look out for as well um elsewhere on the prelims lauren murphy joanne coldwood which probably feels like a number one contender for uh valentina shevchenko at the women's flyweight um eric anders and britain's darren stewart running it back after their no contest um a few months ago. Oh um, yeah, I forgot. I forgot that this is a that that's a rematch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, cool. That will be that'll be an interesting one. I think uh, Anders was pretty handedly beaten. Yeah. <laughs> Stewart uh, in in the in in the first one. So it'll be interesting to see what changes Darren Stewart can make. Um, main card: um, Paul Craig, Jamal Hill. Uh, <laughs> I I am I am forever <laughs> uh, bamboozled by the character that is Paul Craig. I mean. You know, made a sort of, you know, last sort of sort of 2018, 2019, was just fighting these sort of like guys, guys who 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 came in for their debuts and were just being fed to him, and he was sort of beating one, um, not beating the other, pulling guard. I mean, beat Ankle Live in the last minute, uh, beat beat Kennedy in Zetchaku with pretty much a similar move, pulling guard and managing to get the triangle choke. Um, has has been on a pretty uh, decent run as of. Late, which saw him uh, go three zero and one, albeit two of those against a, a pretty pretty depleted Shogun Hua, and others against Vinicius Moreira and Antiglov, who aren't certainly um, the creme de la creme. But he now finds himself uh, on the fringes of the light heavyweight rankings, which probably says more about the light heavyweight rankings than it does about Paul Craig. But he has been showing some improvements, I think at least. Uh, he comes in against Jamal Hill, who. Got a, a very decent knockout against OSP, eight and zero. I don't, I don't, I don't really know whether I see whether I have any thoughts uh, on on where this one goes, but this this does feel like a a, a pretty obvious um, striker versus grappler. Um, and if this if this if this fight stays uh, on the feet for fifteen minutes, I, I, I don't I don't see a way in which Paul Craig's uh, striking and gets the job done. But it, but equally if 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 Paul Craig can lure Jamal Hill into 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 his world on the floor, then it, it it could be a pretty quick night for Paul Craig. Yeah, I think Paul Craig fights are always um, at least funny, um, and occasionally, like I think he's a good kind of underdog to root for. Um, I kind of I do enjoy Paul Craig fights just from like the can he pull it off this time again kind of standpoint. So. Um, so no, it'll be it'll be fun enough, I think. 
No, Damien Ma, uh, not Damien Ma. Skipping the gun there. Uh, Paul Craig <laughs> well, is always go, going from one great of grappling to another. Exactly. Well, you know exactly. Uh, Paul Craig will certainly, certainly um, in the same league. Yeah. Certainly entertaining. Um, and 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 he's actually a pretty funny bloke if you can get past that thick Scottish accent. Um, yeah, as you said, moving moving from one grappling savant to to another. Uh, Damien Ma, who who I I thought had retired following his loss against oh. Gilbert Burns, or I thought at least it was his, his intention to retire. Uh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it was the lack of crowds that perhaps kept him going. But he fights uh, Bilal Mohammed, who, of course, um, had a short notice. Was it was it short notice fight against Leon Edwards, or was it... Um, I can't even remember the circumstances around that fight. Regardless, um, I think think it was i feel like leon edwards would, yeah leon edwards was scheduled to face someone else it but was I can't remember. it was supposed to be hands up chimaev i think it was chimaev uh, of course yes um yeah Bilal muhammad came in uh, to fight leon edwards as we'll discuss later on um had that pretty nasty well, pretty nasty, very nasty eye poke uh which ended in into the fight in a no contest he comes in against damien meyer um I mean, this this could be a very interesting one. You know, we know how Bilal Muhammad likes to fight. You know, the pressure. Um, he will be sort of pushing the fight forwards, um, but equally, he's got to be he, he's got to be careful because you know, much like the Paul Craig guard, uh, there 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 is there is uh, a certain level of uh, threat. Well, a lot of a level of threat if if Damien Mar is able to get his 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 claws around you. Yeah, uh, certainly. Um... <laughs> Certainly a bit more dangerous than Paul Craig, I will say. Um, and just has a, a game that over the years he's kind of really work, like made work for MMA very nicely. Um, obviously, getting on now, like certainly far past his best, Damien Meyer. Um, but still very dangerous, particularly in the first round. Um, outside of that, he can fade fairly hard. Um but really, in that first round, it's no secret what he's going to try and do. He's going to try and get to your back as quickly as possible. And very often, like a surprising amount, even at the age of what seems to be about 400, um, he's still succeeding in that um, quite consistently. So, um, yeah, I've really liked Damien Meyer, um, like have done for years. Um, so I hope he can... Um, kind of like one last kind of one last choke before he goes out really um but yeah Bilal Mohammed also fairly fairly funny guy as well um so yeah kind of it is mostly going to be about in that first round not letting Maya kind of press you towards the cage but also not over committing in order so you don't run onto kind of like reactive shots as well um and then he'll also probably try and pull you into his kind of like half guard sweep game as well which he does very well um so a lot to look out for for Blah Mohammed in the first round outside of that i think that he should really be able to on the feet kind of put a bit of a beating on maya kind of going late so we'll see how it goes but yeah it should be a fun fight certainly um, next on the card, uh, as I mentioned, was um, Bilal Mohammed's former opponent, Leon Edwards, who 
fight uh, in, in quite a bizarre fight, um, Nate <laughs> Truly. Diaz. Uh, this was scheduled for UFC 262 and was supposed to be a five-round co-main event. I am trying to find out whether it is still scheduled four or five rounds. Uh, Wikipedia seems to suggest that it might be saying uh, the different date, the pairing will retain its original status, make, marking the first time in UFC history that a non-title bout other than main event has been scheduled for five rounds. That seems to hint to me that it's still five rounds. I don't know whether that's the case. I haven't found anywhere that can confirm it. Um, three rounds or five. Uh, this this seems like a great fight for Lynn Edwards in the sense that he's always struggled for mainstream casual appeal, if you like. And Nate Diaz is 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 you know bar McGregor and and maybe Khabib. Khabib. Nate Nate Diaz is is perhaps one of one of the. Uh, the most sort of casual names in terms of brand, some name recognition. Uh, so it offers him a great, um, a great sort of introduction to a, a wider market. But also, crucially, um, it seemed like a bit of a layup from a from a, a fight a fight matchup point of view. You know, um, Diaz is a guy that we haven't really seen um, fight regularly, um, and. And against high enough opposition, well, I guess he has four good opposition, but but certainly not not put on the good performances against um, sort of stylistic matchups similar to Edwards that that makes you feel like if Edwards fights his fight, this this is this is one that he can he can really thrive in. Yeah, I think that it is um, a good opportunity for Leon Edwards, but also one that I think it's difficult for him to in a sense, really get, like, a good win because, like, he's... I mean, maybe it's just me, but, like, he's so expected to kind of just really batter Nate and Nate shouldn't really have much for him that anything other than, like, blowing him, blowing him out of the water is, like, seems like a bit of a disappointment. Um, and, like, to make that kind of, like, tougher, Nate Diaz, despite, I think, getting considerably slower in the last few years and like deteriorating in many ways is still ungodly tough um and leon edwards isn't a particularly prolific finisher so kind of adding that together i think it could like be a fairly difficult one for leon edwards to look good in um and honestly he's probably best kind of like chance at a finish probably through cuts again which like the Diaz fans will whine and complain about if that happens so again also not like a great look for Edwards to a degree so it's an interesting one like it is a layup I would say um, and it is a good opportunity but also it does have that kind of like factor of it's difficult to look good in it yeah I think those um, those those elbows against Diaz is uh um, face, which is certainly not, uh, which certainly very partial to a cut, could be. It is one of one of one of those ways. It'll be interesting, but yeah, I mean, I think Leon Edwards, um, sort of clever, clever pressure. Um, he's good. He's good. Good clinch work. You know, he showed in that Bilal Muhammad fight that you know I think his striking has improved certainly from range. Um, I think I think this is a this is one that he he will be very confident. And I think a lot of people. Are, I think he's I think I saw he's minus four hundred favor or something. So. I think the bookies recognise that as well. But as you say, yeah, it could be one that, you know, a 50-45 or a 30-27, depending on whether it's three or five rounds, might not be 
um, enough to, yeah. to to satisfy. But you know, it, it certainly will be a, a bigger market, and and hopefully he can he can get the job done. Um, right, let's move on to the. I was about to the five rounders. That could not be the case, but certainly the yeah, title I, fight. I'm going to assume that Edwards Diaz is a five rounder. I think. That- they they put that on as like a big kind of like showpiece. All oh, this is history, whatever. I think they'd keep it. So I would imagine so. Um, but certainly the first title fight of the night, uh, co-maining Davison Figueroa, Brandon Moreno, uh, the the rematch, I should say, um, after their majority draw UFC two five six closing out twenty twenty. I mean, one of uh, if not the fight of the year, and that's certainly. Um, up for debate, but um, I mean, what a what a, a cracking first fight, um, and one that stylistically I can't see too much changing, um, and and I'm I'm just I'm just ready for an all out brawl again, really. Yeah, I think um, yeah, don't see like too much of what. Yeah, I think it will probably be a fairly similar fight to the the first one. Um, Maybe it's just me, but in my head, I don't see how Marino could can like could take the same damage that he did in the first fight. Um, like the man is ungodly tough, but I just don't see how that lasts. Like um, Figueroa has proved to be like a very dangerous puncher at one twenty five and one of the most reliable finishers in that division um, from either knockouts or submissions so um it'll be interesting to see if Moreno can hold up in that regard and it'll also be interesting to see kind of if he can build off the success he had in the first fight I think that I thought the fight was competitive but or was yeah competitive but not necessarily I think I thought it was fairly simple to score I didn't I don't know why he got a draw. Um, I think it was mainly that Figueredo uh, point deduction that that added some element of uh, some element yeah. of, of confusion. Yeah, but even like even then, I thought the only round I'd really give Moreno would be the fourth. Um, outside of that, I think it's difficult to give him a round. Like I think DC said on like the broadcast, he like thought Moreno won the second from the takedowns or something, but. Like he, when he took Figueroa down, he didn't really do any damage with it, and mostly just eight elbows from Figueroa off his back. So I think that it's difficult to score those takedowns, kind of as a win for Moreno in a sense, um, to give him those rounds. So the only round I'd confidently give Moreno would have been the fourth. Um, but he did have success in that fourth, and quite a lot of it. Um, he hurt Figueroa fairly badly. Um, yeah, I think I think with a head kick and like he had success kind of pushing forward and mixing combinations to the body and to the head. So kind of with that success that he had, I'll be interested to see what he can build off that. Yeah, I think I would I think I would agree with that assessment. I think, you know, um if Figueroa doesn't get a point deduction, he clearly wins that. Um and I think there's as you said, I think there's ways that Figueredo can get better in that fight, get a bit smarter. I just don't. I think. I think maybe Moreno um, can obviously make adjustments, but I think a lot of his fighting style is just embracing that chaos. And I don't know 
to what extent he can max that out any further against a guy who is just hits like an absolute truck at 125. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see if there's any um, stylistic changes from either fighter. I think if you're most likely to see it, it well, if, it, if it's most likely to 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 end in a, in a different way, it has to be from Moreno. But I don't know if a different style, particularly enhances his chances of winning but then conversely i don't think his um i don't i don't, I don't think him continuing that same style is is likely to merit a or, or likely to to bring about a victory um so it is it is tricky for him i i i can just see um figueredo just just being a bit being a bit smarter um and just and just continuing to to use those skills that that almost got him the win and the first time around and just sort of securing it the second time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think that Figueredo can probably, he did come out not kind of setting his shots up as much as I think he usually does, um, maybe in that first fight. Um, so I think like with that kind of like adaptation, he can probably um, have more offensive success I mean like saying that like he absolutely brutalised Moreno I think in the first fight so it's difficult to say he needs more offensive success it was just Moreno was ungodly tough and um, was able to push through and then fight back but even with that Moreno having his best round in the fourth um, Figueredo came out in the fifth and really re-established himself and didn't let um, Moreno build on the success he had in the previous round so I think that is encouraging that Figueredo didn't fade because it's always kind of a worry with a guy that's as kind of explosive as uh, Figueredo is he's like a mini Romero and like we've seen say like in the first Whitaker fight if Romero goes out trying to finish you and goes out putting out a high pace he will fade Um but Figueredo didn't, which is quite encouraging. And the face and the fight was a torrid pace, so there's no worries in that regard for Figueredo. So, um, yeah, I think I can see Figueredo doing largely what he did in the first fight, and I would imagine this time finishing Marino. But but if he doesn't, uh, all credit to Marino because that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think regardless of. And predictions and analysis. I think one the one thing is for certain is that um, this one, hopefully, I mean, I said hopefully as if I've just, I've just said surely and then hopefully, but um, it, it 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 can't disappoint. Um, it now will, but um, <laughs> I, I can't see it. it. Just the way they fight, it's it the way they match up, just like screams kind of fireworks pretty much every time. Let's hope for that. Okay, main event time. Israel Adesanya, Marvin Vittori. Adesanya coming back down to 185 after his unsuccessful venture at light heavyweight. Um, obviously lost to Jan Blahovic, still undefeated at middleweight. Uh, and he fights Marvin Vittori, who is, whose last loss actually was a split decision against Israel Adesanya um, in 2018. He is on an impressive five fight win streak with wins over Jack Hermanson and Kevin Holland most recently um, seems to have got this as a, as a sort of byproduct of Robert Whittaker and Adesanya's schedule is not really matching up but yeah. you know you can't you can't you can't say that he doesn't represent probably the second um, 
most deserving uh, person to step up and challenge Adesanya. Um, I mean, path to victory for Vittori seems difficult in terms of his <laughs> his style feels like one that feeds into a slick, well, does not feed well into a, uh, a fight against a slick, uh, fast-moving counterpuncher like Adesanya. Um is there any is there any route for victory? I mean, perhaps perhaps sort of following a Blahovich esque um, takedown route seems like a, a possibility. But if he if he sort of at his plodding one two normal best, I don't feel like that's <laughs> going to be enough. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Um, Vittori in his recent fights has mostly been kind of well, has been a kind of like pressure put his opponents back to the cage uh, and then especially against Holland, but it is Kevin Holland uh, against Holland was a kind and then worked that into like clinch takedowns against the cage kind of um, stuff like that. So it is to really get his game going. It is, which is a very kind of like a very like bullyish kind of like physical game. He wants to really kind of like put his hands on you, get it really like physical. Um, He's going to need to find a way to consistently pressure Adesanya, uh, which we've seen is very difficult because Adesanya's ring craft is amongst the best in the sport. And I think Vittori has improved in that regard recently, but I don't think enough. So um, I think it's going to be tough to get that regular game going. But I think there are things, or there are attributes Vittori has and there are things he can probably learn from the um, Blakovich fight that he can use. I think that um, Blakovich did a good job of essentially just not letting Adesanya build by not really, by being very defensively responsible. Like he checked all of Adesanya's kicks, um, or not all of them, but most of the kicks. Um, didn't let him build off those, which is like one of Adesanya's favorite. He, it's the jab and the low kick build up everything else essentially um and blackovich denied that by checking the kicks and then um being able to kind of like counter off of the jab and i think that's something vittori can do um he's very durable very tough um so i think if he is eating jabs from adesanya and adesanya wants to build off of that um, and add, say, another shot behind it, he can just use the jab as kind of like a, a trigger for his own counters. Um, and then he's got fairly decent kick defense as well. Um, so, yeah, I think like that's a little bit there that he can work with. Yeah, I think I think you're you're right to say that. I mean, and, and you know, there is the the intangible, which, you know, we we cannot offer. Uh, an insight into, into how much this is a thing, but it is Adesanya's first fight uh, since his first loss. Um, I, I don't know how much that'll play a factor uh, in it. It didn't. It didn't seem in the post fight even that that he was particularly. Um, it wasn't a thing that that, that bugged him. Um, but you know, psychologically, if 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 you know, Vittori can have a good first round, take him down, maybe win that first round. You you, you never know whether. Um, that sort of bravado might 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 give way to some sort of self doubt. That yeah. that is you know that is a, a complete intangible that is 
that it's impossible to know uh, until until potentially it happens. Yeah, I think um, kind of like seizing on that. That's like a it is an intangible. It is a very good like it is very relevant. I think um, especially if Vittori can like snatch an early round. And as like as I said, Vittori is very durable, so I don't really see Adesanya getting a easy finish here. Which means that I think this fight is going to go late. And if Vittori could snatch an early round and then it's going into the fourth and it's competitive going into the fifth, I think it will weigh on Adesanya's mind. Um, who I think as a fighter isn't necessarily as confident as he wants everyone to think he is, um, if that makes sense. Um, I think he does, to a degree, he does have some kind of like self-doubts like in the midst of it. Um, so yeah, I think if... Vittori can extend him like that. I think it'll be interesting to see how Adesanya reacts um, because that was similar to the Blackovich fight. Um, like competitive early rounds followed by Blackovich able to snatch it late. And as Adesanya kind of like, as the fight kind of wears on, Vittori will not fade. Like we've seen that that's part of him. He mentally, physically will not give up. Basically he will keep, trying like no matter how much like it might not be working he will keep kind of like going back and keep trying um so going late Adesanya, as Adesanya gets tired I think his takedown defense doesn't quite stand up to kind of like the level it is early on so maybe then late on is the kind of like route in for the wrestling to start working if Vittori can make the early rounds kind of competitive on the feet I think yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think another thing, you know, I mentioned I mentioned briefly, you know, 2018, they did have a split the shiz. And I know that was three, three years ago. But, you know, this is a this is a guy that on one of the three judges scorecards did beat Adesanya. And and that that is that has got to, uh, you know, maybe doesn't play on Adesanya's mind. But in terms of a tour, if you think about his mindset, you know, this is a guy that in in his mind, maybe maybe he thought he won that 2018 fight. I can't remember it too well off the top of my head. I but... think. Um, I think it was a fairly poor decision. Like I think it was quite clear that Adesanya won, yeah. but like still, like as a fighter, you seize on anything you can, like any like the mental victory, like and he can play that in his play that up in his mind. Um, I don't think that will play on Adesanya's mind because I think realistically yeah. he knows that he comfortably won. Um, but I think even like the Blackovich fight, as you mentioned earlier, will probably have a bigger kind of effect coming in for Adesanya um, but no it was a despite that it was a fairly like competitive fight and uh, Vittori definitely kind of had his moments and definitely Adesanya couldn't um, couldn't build into that fight or couldn't be as, or wasn't as offensively dangerous as he was against a lot of the other opponents early in, early in his UFC career so um it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I think like, like we have focused a lot on what Vittori can do to as a path of, to victory. And that's because really it does not heavily, but fairly comfortably favor Adesanya. Yeah. I think um, if he gets the best of his game plan going, I, I, I can't see a way in which he doesn't get the job done but you know that's that's not often the way these things goes and, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be more adversity than 
than what than what potentially meets the eye. Um, I mean, I think that, and unless you have any other sort of thoughts that you wanted to to mention, uh, no, nothing, nothing springs to mind. Well, I think that basically draws our sort of preview to a close. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of fights you talked about there, a lot of uh, interesting uh, fights on the card, and then certainly something we will look back on next week, hopefully. Um, I mean, the we'll be obviously be back to review that. Um, we'll we'll look ahead to the card happening next uh, weekend, which is headlined by uh, Korean Zombie Dan Ego. There's not a whole lot on there, but there's you know Danny Danny Roberts, Tim Means, Marlon Vera, David Grant, couple bits of British interest there. Um, I didn't even know that fight card was really well. I I, I assumed there was one, but I, did, I had no idea of what the fights on there were. So, but no, that sounds okay. Yeah, and we um, you know, we've got fight card after that, and and then we're straight into Poirier McGregor three in in in, in three weeks' time, which is feels crazy to say, but um, yeah, we'll 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 save much of that discussion for next week. Um, and yeah, stay safe, everyone, and uh, we'll see you then. See ya. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.